0: Hello and welcome back to Building Better Basketball, the Basketball Australia Coaches Podcast. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach Development Manager at Basketball Australia. Today's guest isn't a coach, but she is an up and coming member of a group that coaches at all levels need to work with weekly and hopefully understand. Caitlin Grove is the Technical Officials Development Officer at Basketball New South Wales. Caitlin fell in love with the game of basketball at 12 years of age, apparently. She's represented her local club, Bankstown Bruins, as a player and referee for many years finding her passion for refereeing at the young age of 14. She is currently on the NBL One panel, as well as being a regular at the Footlocker Basketball Australian National Championships. Caitlin holds a bachelor's degree in psychology, which I'm sure is valuable in the refereeing space, and is completing her master's in social work and has a passion for referee development and well-being. Caitlin, thanks for giving up your time this morning, and welcome to Building Better Basketball.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, so I touched in the introduction, fell in love with the game at 12 and started refereeing at 14. That's a very quick turnaround from love to refereeing. Can you tell us a little bit about how and why I suppose you became a a referee and a bit about your journey in the, in the few years since you started?
1: Most definitely. So, um, I actually started as your, your local kind of green shirt referee, refereeing the under nine division back when I just turned 12. Um, the reason why I got into refereeing was actually thanks to my big brother who did the referee course and wanted some extra cash at that time. And my mom kind of put me in the course with him. I was a extremely nervous kid who really struggled with talking with people and meeting new people. So, um, they put me into that referee course when I was 12. And uh, I distinctively remember refereeing my first two games right before Christmas and being sick in the bathroom for before both games of just how nervous I was. Um, so that was the, the start of my, my journey. And I was a, a very, uh, I guess, slow to kind of get with the program and to learn to referee. It took me about six months to get my black and whites. Um, which is that progression onto your, you know, middle age group, 16s, 18s, men's group for my local association, which was Bankstown Bruins back in New South Wales. Um, and then did my first rep game when I was 14. I was playing for Bankstown at the time and under 16s uh, women, and uh, yeah, gave it a go um, and kind of fell in love with it from there. Fell in love with being. On the court um having the best position on the court and being with the players fell in love with looking up at people and throwing the ball up um ironically it was it was oddly thrilling and um from there i've progressed down the national pathway for new south wales and just came back from the under 20s national tournament
0: what was the thing that brought on those feelings of nerves that you talked about just before christmas was it the um The fear of making a mistake, or was it just the whole experience in general was a little bit overwhelming?
1: Um, I would have to say it probably was the fear of making a mistake. Um, everyone was very supportive, particularly in my local community about referees learning, which is absolutely fantastic. We start at an extremely young age—twelve years old. Twelve years old, sorry, is a pivotal time for kids. Um, particularly learning that social. Exchange and how to work with people, and particularly working with adults. So I think it was the whole experience of knowing that I was about to get on the court, and like I said, hindsight's a beautiful thing. It was my local under nines game, and um, just having so many people watching me, I, I think was the thing that made me most nervous. Um, and just having so many rules in my head as well. Um, I remember we went through the the rules in the weeks prior to me taking to the court, and um, just didn't know how many there were until I started, jumped on the court and had to apply them all.
0: Yeah. I think that insight's just really important because obviously coaches are looking at referees as not something they even think about until like the game tips off and then they just mm. see them as another variable within the competition. And sometimes that that all those thought processes and uh, I guess nerves and ways that they are preparing and approaching the game can be lost as well not because they they don't care or they don't think it's important but just because it's it's not something they are considering as a referee currently obviously like you, you spoke about at the at the 20s what are some of the greatest challenges from an on-court perspective with referee
1: I think to this day the the biggest challenge is, is just how fast And just how rapidly the game is evolving um particularly coming off you know two years unfortunately where we we couldn't be on courts um for referees the biggest amount of learning for us obviously comes through the game and practicing the game um we do uh, particularly at the level that i'm very fortunate to be officiating at there is an expectation for a level of fitness whether that be physical and mental cognition as well um but to not be on the court uh was a real barrier coming back from last year and then into this year and the game has evolved so much the speed of the game has evolved um those basic techniques that you know we all know stock standard that you're taught as a kid when you learn to play have has evolved as well and it's it's just so uh i can't put into words it's so amazing to see um the the talent coming through you know Kids playing at under twenties that I was part of this year. I think you know, Victoria women had a, a starting lineup of WNBL players, which is absolutely outstanding um, and a big testament to the players participating for those uh, states as well. So I think that's been the biggest challenge is kind of keeping up to date with the game um, as well as the rules. The rules have changed uh, within the last five years. Honestly, I believe. About three times, so I'm not going to be quoted on that, but um, there has been new rules that came in effect of, of October 2022. So applying that as well has been um, pretty hard with just how quick the games are changing and just how agile the players are.
0: What would you say the one is the one that kind of gets the most, has the most like line calls? Would it be something like travelling or some form of um, defence or?
1: The, the call that's probably most. Misunderstood, and maybe that's from a perspective of referees needing to share our perspective on it. Is um, definitely those transition calls going in from um, offense to so defense to offense um, down the court, and um, having those quick hand checks on the hips. I know that's a really annoying thing for a lot of coaches to see. Um, I was speaking to some of my friends actually in the recent week about those calls. Um, I think that's probably the most controversial call. But just another testament back to how quick the game's changing. I've uh, participated in two NBL One East games so far this season within my um, commitments. And um, I went three quarters without a foul call. So that's just how quickly the game's going. I think I had four out of bounds. Um, So I'm a a passive participant in what is an awesome spectacle of basketball.
0: And guarantee that would be the one time that people will leave and won't remember that you even refereed that game and yeah
1: you,
0: and you you leave thinking I've reffed the perfect game here because I haven't had to do anything and no one 100%. will remember you.
1: hundred percent I, I sit back in those games and just go, wow, everyone's sitting in the crowd and and I get to sit on the stand on the floor, which is uh, also absolutely awesome and it's good to share those uh, jokes with the players as well of oh you're, you're still here. Um, I've been run into it once or twice as well because I've been forgotten that I'm there too so that's always
0: a good laugh. One of the key things that we talked about is the relationship with coaches. And as a younger referee and one who is operating at that national championships levels, where we have like coaches from the NBA Global Academy in the case of the, the 20s and people like Ash Arnett from the COE who's looking after one of the um, state sites. These are professional coaches operating with amateur players. So often they can be quite, uh, vocal not in a not in a bad way but they are communicating with those athletes similar to the way they would communicate with professional athletes and i would imagine that in occasions they are also communicating with the referees in the same way they would communicate with referees at uh, a professional or, or semi professional level how have you found the kind of relationship that you've had to build with coaches and uh, to any coaches listening, what are some of the things you've found that you've done, either they've done or you've done, to help make that relationship a healthier one?
1: Yeah, 100%. It's a massive challenge working with um, some amazingly experienced coaches, particularly in the 20s you, you mentioned a few. And um, I think for me, the pr- perspective I take in that situation is to be curious um, a lot of these coaches have a wealth of knowledge well beyond my expertise um, and being part of the game for so long that knowledge is only just further developed. And um, for me, particularly if there's a, a point of indifference uh, on a perspective about what happens, because that's what a lot of calls are at that level. It's um, all about perspective of what occurred um, is just asking Uh, Asking questions. Um, I start my pre-game chat and all referees will go across to to the coaches and and say hello. Um, That's something that we like to practice across all leagues. And one thing I say is it's really lonely being a referee if no one talks to you. Um, So if the opportunity is there to ask them a a question, I'll, I'll definitely take that. And a lot of the time, and I guess one thing that people see more often they not, but doesn't actually occur that frequently is that intense exchange between referees. At the 20s that I was just at, I, I didn't experience that. I had the opportunity to speak to the likes of Ash and I had his game, which was a phenomenal game against Victoria, is just asking him a question about what he saw and why he thought it was an illegal or illegal action. And then just explaining my perspective back. Um, A lot of the time, that's the approach I like to take. And it also helps with my knowledge as well. I get that exchange with the coach and I get to see where they're coming from as well. Uh, I also have the opportunity to to ask coaches about their plays and the execution of their plays and what they're trying to get out of the game. Um, It's nice sometimes to sit back and what a lot of referees do that people don't realise particularly these national championships, but um, on NBL One or any senior games across the nation is we do scout the teams and we do take that opportunity to to sit down and to watch, whether that be looking at game film or being there before a game or asking a friend and just asking questions as well has always been the, the biggest thing for me to break down those barriers and to kind of develop my knowledge as well.
0: The referees within the national championships obviously have a really robust um, review process internally. They, I think, again, something that a lot of spectators probably don't appreciate is that you actually have people at the games who aren't even watching the game as such. They're literally watching you and often just recording your behaviours to then go and review and you you're reviewing straight after as well and they're usually quite in-depth reviews as well you you don't have the time to kind of allow things to settle in it's very kind of reactive bang bang You you've got your next rotation off and then you're back on the court again how's that from a i guess just the emotional perspective of being able to compartmentalize what happens very fast review it and then move on how do you how do you find that
1: yeah 100 percent um for us referees particularly national championship but again on any real senior level um our one game for us can usually take about five hours um we get to the game like players do an hour beforehand and, and that's when our mental preparation starts um we start by talking to the crew whether it be a two-person crew or a three-person crew. Um, we all want to get on the same side. We want to try our best to be in that same mental headspace before we go into the game to reduce any discrepancies. Uh, the game obviously goes for two hours, and, and like you mentioned, Neil, it goes for the post-game afterwards, um, which is straight away we go back to the locker room and and sit down, and yeah, we um, often get videos as well, so it's a very holistic picture on the feedback that we receive that being the way we present ourselves as well as the actual calling selection throughout the game as well, as well as our technical control. Um, to do that back-to-back has taken a, a lot of years of practice, I have to admit. Um, it has been an emotional experience. I have been very fortunate to always receive relatively constructive feedback um, across my professional career and... Um, it's it's more of the mindset. The mindset I adopt is, if it, there is any error or um, any place for significant improvement, I will endeavour to the best of my ability to make sure that that error particularly does not happen at my next game. Uh, just like players do and coaches do, um, we may not be happy with a, a certain section of our of our performance. Um, that just becomes that that forefront focus for me for that next game. Um, Particularly if I have that team again, uh, I want to in- to ensure them that I am always improving. I'm always getting better. Um, I will make mistakes and I'll be the first one to acknowledge if I do make a mistake. Um, but they deserve my best performance uh, to the best of my ability on that particular day and on that particular occasion. So I wanna make sure that I give that to them. And that's the mentality that I take going to the post game is we deconstruct uh, one video which may only take 30 seconds for us in how many factors that we have to take into consideration that one video breakdown may take 10 minutes um and that's just looking at so many variables whether that be the primary secondary defender um, legal guarding position what they're trying to achieve within that set um, so yeah it's definitely of the mentality that i taken me a long time to develop Um, and just through practice of how can I be better for the next game and what can I do to uh, show those players and everyone who's watching, because it's a holistic perspective to the game, whether it be spectators, coaches, um, players. We obviously have a very important role with the um, score bench as well and the statisticians. How can I be better to improve my performance and their outlook of the game?
0: So you touched on there in the videos that they're actually not just even looking at your calls, but also your body language and everything like that. And obviously another key portion that the videos might not pick up because of crowd noise and and lack of microphones and stuff like that is the communication with the players on the court. So, which is obviously crucial as, as a referee and also building those relationships with the players. What's your style, I guess, of communication with players during the game and what are some of the ways that you've changed that over time as you become more experienced?
1: Definitely. Um, my style of refereeing is, ironically, through talking. Um, I really enjoy stopping and taking the opportunity to hear someone's grievance um or to acknowledge a player in a particular action um such as a, a drive to the bucket there might be a a soft hands foul that i have to call or um, because it was just an action and that affected the shot but by acknowledging the player of you know hey mate this is why i had the call um, this was the action just so you know so it's just through that open line of communication i have found the most benefit um on floor particularly also with coaches, um, with three officials on the floor, there's always one who is closest to the bench side. um, And just being open with them. If if I don't have that answer, because my partner's made the call and and I'm not watching um, that particular area at that particular point of time, I will endeavor to get that for them. And that's definitely something that we share amongst all referees is when we come together next, we'll go, okay, I didn't have this answer, you made the call can you go speak to the coach uh or can you go speak to that player can you let them know what's going on to the best of your ability um that kind of perspective did change a lot I uh, started on my uh, my younger careers and as I mentioned was an extremely nervous person so that communication factor was uh probably at like negative five uh, wasn't even zero <laughs> I probably didn't even acknowledge people so um back to in my younger days if they know me I'm so sorry um so that's definitely changed through confidence throughout the years and that has been through making errors um and saying the wrong things or not knowing the answers and not going back to someone um so that's definitely my communication style has evolved through making errors and making mistakes but also like I said before asking questions I was fortunate enough to work in the coaching department at my local association for many of years and we used to sit down on a on a Monday myself and my my boss and and speak about that and say all right what works for you what do you like as a coach what do you like what referees do or what do you not like and it was a very open conversation that we used to say back as well and he'd take my perspective as well so that definitely helped me grow
0: and the last question we ask everyone who comes on the podcast, if and this will be a totally new and unique perspective to hear what a referee thinks about this. If there was one coach in any sport, alive or dead, that you could ask a question, who would the coach be and what would the question be?
1: Yeah, this has been a tough one. I'm not going to deny. Um, and I've thought a lot of opinions as to what people would think. Um, my open question is, I you know, would be: What are your non-negotiables as a coach? Your holistic picture in the game before you take the court. Things that you know you expect of the players, you expect of us and, and me as an official. What are your non-negotiables? Um, and and having a chat with people about about that, and I'd love to compare that across codes. That being basketball um, from the elite level, looking at. Yeah, Sandy Brondello I think she'd be an amazing person to ask that question from but also going to you know I'm an NRL fan so looking at NRL as well and and comparing that would be my question um and taking that holistic approach to the game.
0: Awesome Caitlin as I'm sure people that have listened to this episode are aware you are an incredibly friendly and welcoming person and do love to a chat. So I encourage anyone that is at any of the Nationals that Caitlin is refereeing at to um, make sure and and say good day to her. And if you do have a burning question that you want to ask a referee, I'm sure Caitlin would happily um, have a yarn about it with you. Caitlin, thank you so much for giving up your time to, I guess, offer an insight to the community coaches about all the hard work that referees are doing and also their perspective from their position on the court, which is very different to coaching. And um, all the best for the the rest of the uh, NBL one season.
1: Thank you. And thank you for having me.